Welcome to What is Truth? The radio show devoted to asking the question, what is truth? Now your hosts, doctor and pastor of Grace and Truth Church in Amherst, Michael Caesar and co-host Johnny D. Want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Do like Jesus said, search the scriptures and you'll know what is truth. Amen. And welcome to another edition of the What is Truth radio show. I'm in studio here today, Dr. Michael Caesar, along with my partner in truth, Mark Sassy. And uh, John uh, D., who's usually with us, is uh, occupied with some other things. So we're praying for him. And I know he'll be listening. And uh, Mark, we're continuing our studies. We've been, if you've been with us for the past few weeks, you know, we've been uh, searching for true history. And I know a lot of history has been revised recently that, you know, history is, it's hard to find accurate history, but the Bible has an accurate history of a promise that Jesus made to the disciples. And he said, I will build my church. And the book of the Acts of the Apostles is giving the 40 year history of the building of the church right after Jesus ascended and he handed the baton off to Peter in chapter two. And we're watching the church get built. We're watching, uh, Again, God's goodness Amen. in chapters two, three, four, five, six, seven of reaching right back to the very people that crucified his son, Jesus, right in Jerusalem, sending Peter and John and uh, Stephen uh, back there and preaching the truth about the one they crucified, Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth. He is both Lord and Christ. Amen. You can receive forgiveness of sins through him. And sadly, the Jewish leaders still rejected that message. They did, and it, it's a transitionary book. This book of Acts. So and now we're and, yeah, and everything that we're seeing is the transition from like the Old Testament. Now it's after the cross of Calvary, yeah. and this is how the Lord is working, building His church. And it, it's an adventurous book. Oh, absolutely. You know, they yeah. don't know. <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah. We're looking at it, and we see, like you said, true history. It's not changed. It's not twisted. It's pure true history. But as they're living it, they don't know how everything's going to work out. Right. And so it really is an adventure. And and I noticed today at the end of the day, when I was done with work, I was talking to a coworker who had just come back from a, a, a camping trip out to Michigan. And uh, just the point is, is that when you go on long trips, you don't know exactly what's going to happen. Right. You might have a breakdown. <laughs> yeah, okay. You might meet somebody that you never expected okay. or get sidetracked on something. And those are the memorable things about a trip or a vacation. And here they had a lot of adventure, Yeah, you know, going from city to city. And we get to read about it and see how the Lord led them yeah. in the spirit. Meeting new people, seeing how they're going to respond to this truth. Some people are resistant. Some people are open Yes. Uh, I never did. Under, I can't understand the human heart. You never know who's going to be open to it and who isn't. Right. But they're just going forth and telling people. And God is opening the door of preaching outside of Israel to the Gentile lands. And that's what we've been seeing in the last two chapters, uh, 10 and 11. Amen. Yeah. And because... I'm a Gentile and you're a Gentile. Yep. We're not Jews. And a lot of people in Western New York are Gentiles, right? And, and in Florida. Yeah, because we're too. there too. Yep. Amen. Yeah. And so a lot of Gentiles that tune in and hear this, it, it is an interesting book. I, I really do like the book of Acts. There's a lot to it. And in the last chapter in Acts 10, we saw that Peter had a vision, yep. right? And uh, after that vision, if we get into Acts 11 today, 
Uh, excuse my voice. It's a it's a touch off, but I was doing some preaching on Monday and Tuesday. So, do you want me to read for you? Will that make it uh, easier? Let's, Will let's that save your goes. voice? I, Go ahead. I, I, I'll see how it goes. But anyways, Acts chapter eleven, verse one. <clears throat> the Bible says, "And the apostles and brethren that were in Judea, they heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God." And when Peter was come up unto Jerusalem, so remember, they're at Jerusalem now, they that were of the circumcision contended with him, saying, Thou wentest in to men uncircumcised, and didst eat with them. But Peter rehearsed the matter from the beginning, and he expounded it by order unto them, saying, I was in the city of Joppa, praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. A certain vessel descended, as it had been a great sheet, let down from heaven by four corners, and it came even to me. Upon the which, when I had fastened mine eyes, I considered and saw four-footed beasts of the earth, and wild beasts, and creeping things, and fowls of the air. And I heard a voice saying unto me, Arise, Peter, slay and eat. But I said, Not so, Lord, for nothing common or unclean hath at any time entered into my mouth. But the voice answered me again from heaven, What God hath cleansed, Thou call not thou uncommon. Yep. Thou, thou call not thou common. Right. And this was done three times, and all were drawn up again into heaven. And behold, immediately there were three men already come into the house where I was, sent from Caesarea unto me. And the Spirit bade me go with them, nothing doubting. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, and we entered into the man's house. That would be Cornelius. Yep. And he showed us how he had seen an angel in his house, which stood and said unto him, Send men to Joppa, and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who shall tell thee words, whereby thou and all thy house shall be saved. And as as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them, as on us at the beginning. Now, when he says them and us, he's talking about Gentiles as yeah. well as the Jews. Fell on th- those Jews as like we Gentiles. Okay, the, them is the Gentiles, us is the Jews. Amen. Yeah. Verse 16, then remembered I the word of the Lord, how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. For as much then as God gave them the like gift as he did unto us, who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, What was I that I could withstand God? And when they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, Then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. And that's the end of the first paragraph. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of good stuff in there. Yeah, there's much, much good stuff. I mean, first, again, uh, this is a continuation of chapter 10. Yes, and they kind of go together, uh, they're, they're like uh, telling this story about a man who was uh, uh, named Cornelius. He was a centurion, a Roman soldier. He was uh, stationed in the capital city of Caesarea, right on the uh, waterfront of the Mediterranean Sea, uh, not too far from Jerusalem, about 25 miles there. And uh, he was a man who believed in his heart, there must be a God, Yes. But I haven't really had a chance to get to know him in my years of growing up. I think I should pray. And it says he used to pray to God always. And that's when God saw this man's heart looking for truth. I mean, God wants to know. I, I, I never know the hearts of people. Uh, God knows them. 
says the Lord searches for the heart. Amen. But what he's looking for is there a heart out there that really wants to know truth. I mean, in, in the beginning of our show, they play that one skit back and forth between Tom Cruise and uh, Jack Nicholson. Yes. Yeah. I want the truth. I want the truth. Now you can't handle the truth. Right. Well, actually, we can handle the truth. The question is, do we really want it? Right. Are we willing to receive yeah. truth? And, yeah. and so uh, this story is uh, uh, Peter does what God tells him. The, the angel had told the man, you're going to send for this man named Peter, like he says in the 11th chapter, verse 13. Yep. This man's going to come to you, verse 14. And this man is going to speak words to you. Amen. And these words are going to tell you how you and the people in your house can be saved. That's that's really the uh, rubber that meets the road right there. Yeah. I mean, it's words. It's about words. And those words bring faith because like the Bible says, faith cometh by hearing and yeah. hearing by the word of God. Because this guy, Cornelius, looking back in that last chapter, it says he was devout. It said he used to uh, pray to God. He used to give alms. That means part of his paycheck. Yes. He was going to wherever church or temple or something nearby and putting money in there, thinking in his mind, I'm doing God a service. Maybe what he used to do is when um, some of his Roman centurion clothes were getting older and he's getting new ones from Rome, he folds them up and takes them to the Salvation Army. He wants to help people. He's doing things that he thinks are good. And the angel appears to him and and the angel didn't tell him, this is how to be saved. The angel said, I'm going to find you a man named Peter who knows how you can be saved. And he will tell you because God wants this message to go from person to person. Amen. From one individual to another. Amen. God's not using angels right now. I mean, he could, he's got thousands at his dispatch. He could send them to every house, but rather what he's saying is I want my people who know the truth, like Peter and John and Paul, I want them to tell other people. And the interesting thing is God always knows best. Yeah. And he always does things the best <laughs> possible way. And, you you know, from our standpoint, we might think, well, he could send angels at lightning speed yes. all over the earth. Yes. He could choose to do that, but he did not choose to do that. He chose to use men, Christians, or even Christian women to give out the gospel message, the good news, the glad tidings of God that he's willing to, that you would be saved. And he's not willing that any should perish. Yeah. And, and they speak frequently, Paul will speak about the, uh, the children of God by faith in Jesus Christ, yes, not by their birth. God's not your uh, father by uh, procreation. He's your father by salvation, and and that's how it happens. But anyways, what he was doing is is God's building this family. I'm part of the family. Amen. You're part of the family. By faith. Val over there is part of the family. Justin, who's our, our producer, he's part of the family. Amen. And and we've, we've gotten in it by faith. And what he wants to do is have those of us who are children go out and invite others to be adopted. We were adopted by God. Amen. Spiritually adopted. We cry Abba father through the adoption. We want others to come too. And God says, I, I want my children to go out and tell others how they can be part of the family as opposed to my angels to do it. Amen. And, and here in Acts chapter 11, we see Peter, he goes to Cornelius's house. Yep. He tells him the gospel. Yep. They believe it. And Cornelius, like you said, he was showing not, you know, he was giving alms, he was fasting, he was praying, you know, he was trying to do the best he could think of to do. But he wasn't part of God's family. He wasn't part of God's family with all that. He needed to believe the gospel. So religion couldn't get him into the family, although 
he was a, they said he was a good, devout, religious man. I guess when those men came to uh, Peter, they were saying, this is a good man. He's known for the things that he's done. Everybody has a good opinion of him. The world thought highly of him. And even God said, yeah, he's well-respected in the world, but he's not part of my family. So, so Peter, you got to go to him and bring the word Amen. that I've uh, shown. I, last chapter, verse uh, 36, preach peace by Jesus Christ. He's the Lord of all. Uh, Jesus was anointed of God with the Holy Ghost. Jesus uh, went out and did everything God told him to do, and people killed him. We're witnesses that he was slain and hung on a tree, but God raised him up the third day and showed him openly, and he commanded us to preach to the people and testify that it is Jesus who was ordained of God to be the judge of the quick and the dead. And and God wants you to believe that story, Amen. Uh, uh, Cornelius. Uh, and I know you've heard things about um, how to come to God, but he's saying, come to God through Jesus Christ. And, and Cornelius believed and no other way. Right. Because God says he hates every false way. Right. And that's, I think, in the Psalms that he, or in Proverbs. But either way, the point is that there's many false ways. Yeah. There's many religious ways that people are trying to get to God. But I would say in this day and age, everybody should get themselves a King James Bible and read the book of Romans. Sure, sure. Because in Romans chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, he I mean, just in, those, just in those five chapters <laughs> that's alone. That's all it takes. Yeah, that's all it takes. From that, people in the past, like Martin Luther, you know, who was a Catholic priest, yep. he saw from the book of Romans that I can't come by the religion I'm part of. I can't come by being a good person. I have to come by faith in Christ. That's interesting. Martin Luther would have been a type of like Cornelius. He mm. was a devout man. True. He prayed. He Re gave alms. Right. He fasted. You can read the stories. He said, um, and one of the stories I read that he wrote, he was saying, you know, I wanted to get closer to God and I was doing these things and I thought maybe God would be uh, more impressed with me if I would walk on my knees up the stairs. And so he used his knees like, I'm. see, I'm kneeling to come closer to you, God, right, right. when he was going to the church. And That's all not, those things weren't bringing him close to God. It wasn't until he opened the book of Romans, like you said, yes. and he saw the words that told him how to be saved, that it's the gospel of Christ. Yes. And I can tell you, there's so many people today that pick up a newspaper or turn on the, the news yeah. every day and they see that. Things are so messed up in the year 2023 in yeah. America and the world. Yeah. And if you would just read Romans chapter one, you would see from God's perspective what's going on. They've turned away from God. Yeah. And and what he does is takes a snapshot on Romans one of periods in past times when other nations have made that same decline yes. and fall. And and the history of the world is nations rise, nations fall. Yes. You read the the uh, rise and the fall and the decline of the Roman Empire. There was this great empire and then it fell. And it talks about all the problems that got into immorality and things like that. And they lost sight of God and they fell. And America is kind of going in the same direction. And even so, even, even though America is declining and it's happening fast. Yes. If you continue on in the book of Romans, you get into chapter two, chapter three starts talking about God's righteousness is a pure righteousness and that you need that righteousness, not your own righteousness. Right. 
Because our own righteousness can't cut it, but he's, it says, it says this of God. It says not in Romans, but it, uh, where is it in first or second John? God is light yes. and in him is no darkness at all. Yes. And that's the kind of thing you need to get into heaven. And the good, the good news is I'm glad that he did write a book of Romans because yes. the next book after Acts is Roman. And Amen. the good thing about it is during the decline and fall of the Roman Empire, God had a letter to people there. Your nation may be falling, but if you reach your hand out to me, I can I can save you. Amen. I, I might not save your nation, but I can save you. And then together we'll build a nation of righteousness with my family. Amen. And that's that's what he's promising. And here's Cornelius, one of these Romans, uh, turning. Uh, as I began to speak, Peter says in verse 15, and obviously their heart was open to it. Yes. The Holy Ghost fell on them. And I remembered the word of the Lord, Jesus, he told us that John baptized with water. That's John the Baptist. Yes. But ye believers shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. And God gave the like gift as he gave to us. And Amen. Peter's thinking when I first got it back in the book of Acts, uh, and he's giving it to Gentiles who also believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Who am I that I can withstand God? God is opening his arms to everyone in the world. Absolutely. Yellow, black, red, and white. Uh, they're all precious in his sight if they'll come by faith. Yeah, brother, go. Absolutely. And it's it's interesting in, in Acts eleven seventeen that he mentions the like gift. Right. That's like Romans chapter 5. Yeah. In Romans chapter 5, he explains how salvation is a gift. Amen. It's not by getting jumping in the water or being sprinkled by water or doing good works. It's a gift. Sure. It's God's gift. It's that easy. It's freely offered by God. Yeah. And we need to receive it freely without adding any strings to it. Right. And and yeah. here he says, like you just read, that John, meaning John the Baptist, yeah. he indeed baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. That reminds me of back in Matthew's gospel, uh, chapter 3, verse 11, right. where this is uh, Jesus no. John the Baptist. John speaking. the Baptist, thanks. Yeah. John the Baptist says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh, meaning Jesus, he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and go. with fire. So, so the water is obviously physical. Yes. But the... The Holy Ghost, you say, baptized with the Holy Ghost yes. or with the Spirit? Yes. That's spiritual. Correct. And so what what the Bible's trying to teach us is the spiritual is more important than the physical. Amen. We, we were talking about that uh, just last night. We had a memorial service here. And at the memorial service, we were talking about uh, the person that uh, physically died but was a believer, was now home with the Lord. Amen. And uh, we were talking about in the days when I was a doctor, they they taught me about the body, but they left out the important part inside of me, my spirit and my soul. Two thirds of me is spiritual. Yes. And that's the more important part. And God wants to save the soul by baptizing it with his spirit, not save my body by putting it in water. He's not going to save my body. Christians die. Bodies get old. Right. But souls can be redeemed and saved and get eternal life. And that's what Peter's preaching here. Amen. And I, I think Ephesians talks pretty clearly about the simple explanation of that in chapter two, when yeah, it says, for by grace, are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Yes. And so it is that spiritual baptism yeah. coming by belief, by faith. Amen. And uh, so on with the story, 
here we are. Uh, it says in verse 18, now they were contending with Peter, these believers. Well, they were Jews. Because they were Jews. The, it was the people back in Judea. And when Peter was done where he was in Joppa and Caesarea, he traveled back. I think he wanted to tell them the good news. Yes. It says, verse 2, Peter came to Jerusalem. Yes. And he wanted to say, I got, I got to tell you this story, just what happened about 20 miles you know, west of here. Amazing thing. A, a, a centurion, you know, and they're thinking centurion. Now, these are believers. They're probably thinking a centurion. Those are the guys that nailed our Lord to the cross. Those are the enemies. I mean, how can one of those guys get saved? Right. I got to tell you this story. Yeah, and, and, that's, <laughs> and then God showed him that. Yeah. I mean, it says it back in Acts 10, 28, but that God has showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean, meaning Jew or Gentile. So, so for us, now here we are, you're an American, I'm an American, we're American Christians yeah. because we heard the story of the gospel. And we've grown up in America, we've always loved America. When I was growing up, our enemy was Russia, the Soviet Union. Yeah. Today it might be China. And, and what God is saying, <laughs> you may think they're your enemies, I can save them too. I can save Chinese people. Amen. I can save people from the Soviet Union. I can save people from Russia. Oh, oh, well, you know, since the towers came down, the Muslims don't like America. I can save Muslims, God says. And not only that, but write the gospel itself, for God so loved the world. Yeah. Not, it doesn't say, for God so loved America, yeah. you know. Amen. <laughs> and if they'll believe the words of the gospel, because that's the power of God to salvation, yes. and they'll open their heart to it, Amen. God will save them. Amen. And it's a simple gospel. Amen. That Christ died for our sins. So after they heard these things, they held their peace. So that's good. They glorified God. That's good. And then they said, then, then hath God also to the Gentiles, I circled Gentiles, granted repentance unto life. And repentance is turning toward God, yes. putting your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and when they mean life, he means eternal life. Absolutely. Because back in the back of the Bible, that, that little book, 1 John chapter 5, mm. and it says, um, this is the record, 1 John 5, 11, that God hath given to us eternal life. Amen. And this life, meaning eternal life, is in his Son. And he that hath the Son hath life. He means eternal life, like he said in verse 11. Amen. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. He means eternal life because I'm thinking of my life up until the age of 39, I had physical life, but I didn't have belief in the Son. I didn't have eternal life. Right. He's a good God. He's yeah. a good gospel. I mean, he's offering such an amazing gift. It's really, I mean, when you stop and consider, it's amazing. And, and the story here continues on in verse 19. It says, uh, now they which were scattered abroad, this is the early Christians. Correct. They were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen. Now, Stephen was from back in Acts 7. Chapter he was seven stoned. Chapter, yeah, that yeah. happened in Jerusalem. It did. I think the leaders uh, of the, um, the temple were sick and tired of hearing this preaching about Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> they they had kind of hoped that after this, Jesus had, had died and disappeared. And they didn't care. He was gone now. He's disappeared We've got control of the temple again. We don't have to worry about losing this temple to Jesus. But he is the Lord of the temple. He is. <laughs> they can't, they're not going to win that battle. He's yeah. going to come back and have it. But nonetheless, they were persecuting people who are in Jerusalem still calling on the name of Jesus. Yeah, I mean, if you remember from Acts 7, the, the Bible says that Stephen was a man full of uh, the Holy faith Ghost and, and faith. power. Yeah, and the and, Holy and Ghost. And the Holy Ghost, yeah. yes. And so... 
he gave a beautiful historical that account was great of history <laughs> of, of Israel, and then they stoned him to death. Yeah, for telling and, the truth. Right. And so these early Christians, it says, uh, when they were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen, they traveled as far as Phoenice, that would be like Phoenicia, yep. and Cyprus, yep. and Antioch. That's the first mention of Antioch in, in the Bible. Syria, even more northward, yeah. Yes. Preaching the word to none, but unto the Jews only. So these early Christians were directing the gospel to the Jews. And then verse 20, it says, And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, they spake unto the Grecians. I circled Grecians. Like Gentiles, yep. yeah. Preaching the Lord Jesus. So some of these early Christians are kind of changing gears, not yeah. just to the Jews. Now they're preaching to the to the Greeks. Yeah. And, and it says, And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. See how easy that is? Yeah. Put your belief in him and turn your heart unto the Lord. And again, this is a historical book, so it's a transition. Yes. And and if we, so we're in the book of Acts and we're in chapter 11. If you back up and you have a Bible, you'll have maybe about 900 chapters before that, almost all which are Old Testament. Yes. And that Old Testament was given, the oracles of God were given to the Jews and the Jews had the temple and they were the people of God and, and, uh, God said to them at one point, what nation is like you that's heard God speaking, speaking out of the mountain? What nation has seen the mighty works of God? And, and he was just saying, uh, I've given this truth to you, the Lord thy God, the faithful God. I keep covenant and mercy. Uh, keep my commandments. Uh, hearken to them. And the Jews had a, a, an exclusive relationship in the Old Testament with God. And if someone wanted to know God, they literally had to come to Israel and be what's called a proselyte yes. and ask a Jewish man, well, well, what is this God like, this God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? And he would receive them. But the Jews never really went out to other nations and preached. This is totally new. This is a new thing that's to happening. Yeah, yeah, totally new. So now, it used, like you said, it used to be they would come to Jerusalem to hear about the one true God, Yep. right? And now these early Christians are going out so first, first they come, there's an invitation. Like it, people probably remember this, uh, the verse in the Bible, Jesus says, come unto me. All ye that labor and are heavy laden. And yeah, I shall give you rest. Yep. Yeah, rest from your your works. Yep. And, and after you come and you become a Christian, you get born again, spiritually born, eternal life. Then you go and you tell. That's right. Yeah, and that's the way it works. Simple as that. And then in here in verse 22, it says, Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem. And they sent forth Barnabas, that he should go as far as Antioch. So he, they're sending him from Jerusalem up to Antioch, who when yeah. he came and had seen the grace of God, meaning there in Antioch, he was glad and he exhorted them all that with purpose of heart, they would cleave unto the Lord for he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, meaning Barnabas and much people was added unto the Lord. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church, and they taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. Interesting. Well, we're just yeah. about coming to the end of the first segment of our show. And again, we're with you every uh, Sunday morning, uh, 7 o'clock, for one hour. 
right here on the What is Truth radio show. And we are sponsored by a little uh, church called Grace and Truth Church. And if you wanted to hear some of the old teachings of the What is Truth radio program, uh, just go to a Google, Google in Grace, A-N-D, Grace and Truth Church, one long word, dot O-R-G. Up will come the homepage, hit the sermons tab, hit YouTube, and then you'll see the What is Truth radio show and you can listen and plus some of the other live teachings from the church. The point of this work is to bring you God's words of truth. And we're going to be with you in a few moments. We'll be right back after a station break. Stick around. Open your Bible to Acts. Be right back. What is truth? What is truth? Want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Do like Jesus said, search the scriptures and you'll know what is truth. Amen. And welcome back to the uh, second half of our program, the What is Truth show. Dr. Michael Caesar in studio with our itinerant evangelist, our, our, our truck driver who gets all around the city and brings the truth to people just like these men in Acts did. It's Brother Mark Sassy. Good morning. And, and uh, glad having you with us. We've been going through a good chapter here. Amen. It's uh, a part of a great transition that God is doing, sending his word to the Gentiles, using Peter, going to Caesarea, and now relaying to all the other believers what's happening. And God is making a movement and under the persecution in Jerusalem, he's deciding this can't be the capital anymore of my, the capital of the Old Testament was Jerusalem. Yes. I'm moving the capital northward to another place. Yeah. I mean, we see it right here in Acts 11 and it yeah. really is, it's a changing of gears. It's a whole transition. It's a real change. And we saw in Acts 10 that there was this change of the gospel for going to the Jews, now going to the Gentiles. Yeah. Here we see this change of the capital from Jerusalem switching to Antioch, and this says, like it says in uh, verse 26 of Acts 11, and the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. That's, I mean, before this, they were called those of the way. The way, or yeah. that sect, or many people just thought they were another sect of Jews. Yes. But now they're recognizing they're, they're, they're different than the Israelites or the Jews, because the Israelites and the Jews were always talking about the temple, and Jehovah, and these people are talking about Christ, and they're talking about Jesus, and they're behaving in a different way. They're gathering together not on Saturday; they're gathering together on Sunday. Amen. Uh, they're they're they have new writings of a New Testament that they're gathered around, and they're looking at those things, and that's how they're praying. Yeah. And yet, with these changes, it's still biblical. For, for instance, I had somebody on the street, I don't know, a couple months ago. He says to me, this whole thing about worshiping on Sunday is wrong. It's unbiblical. And I said, well, have you ever looked at uh, Mark chapter 16? Because in there, it says that they gathered together on the first day of the week. Yes. And you'll find that phrase many times in the scriptures, the in first the day New of the Testament, week. Yeah. And he goes, well, I never saw that. And I said, well, <laughs> it's there. And, and so it is true and it is biblical. So even though there were changes from the Old Testament to the New Testament, it's not untruthful. It's all true, and it's it's uh, based on Scripture. Actually, it was, it's curious because the Lord, who knows the end from the beginning and can see things, often hides stuff. Uh, for those who are reading carefully, and I was looking in the Old Testament, the book of Leviticus, and in the book of Leviticus, 
the Lord is, uh, he says in the 23rd chapter, speak to the children of Israel, say to them concerning the feasts of the Lord, these are my feasts. And then he starts laying out these feasts. And in verse 11, 15, 16, and 39, he tells them about a special feast that they're going to have on the morrow after the Sabbath. And and the Sabbath was a Saturday. Yes. And the morrow after is a Sunday. And he says it four times in that chapter. Amen. Just like the four Gospels would tell us about the resurrection of Jesus on a Sunday. And it's interesting, four times in that key chapter, uh, 11, 15, 16, and 39, he's laying out, I got something planned that's going to happen on the morrow after the Sabbath. From way, way back. (laughs) A long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. And it's how to worship him. Yes. Yeah. Amen. And so even though these are changes, they're biblical changes. They're biblical changes. There's God commanding them. Yes. Yes. And so here we see, uh, like I said, the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. That's the foundation. Yes. The foundation of the Christians was they were first called Christians in Antioch. And we see uh, in verse 19, it mentions Antioch, mentions it again, verse 20, and uh, a couple other places, 26, yeah, a couple, yep. two, twice in 26, yep. and yep. 27. Anyways, every single time in the Bible that you see the word Antioch, it's always in a good mention. In positive light. Always a positive There's mention. Never anything negative. And we see that here it's a foundational place where they were first Christians, first called Christians there. And if anybody's ever heard of the Textus Receptus, it's the uh, received text. It's all the uh, scraps and remains and uh, sections of manuscript evidence from the early scraps of the church. And those came from Antioch, Antioch. where Paul was doing his writing when God sent him up there. Instead of having him write in Jerusalem where everybody's going to rip things up, he said, go up there where you can collect them. You've got a church up there. You've got Christians that honor the text and worship. That's the place to do it. And so they did, and there is proof in museums today. Yes, yes. Right? Like in London Museum and other places around the world. And there's these remains in the Textus Receptus and with that, we see that, you know, they were using the word and preserving and copying the word of God there in Antioch from the foundation of the early church. Where they were first called Christians. Yes. Where God has his blessing on them. He's given the Holy Ghost to them. He's directing them. Yeah. And, Texas, and, that means the received text, the one correct. received by uh, the Christians from the writings of the first apostles, yes. And, and about 97 to 98%, somewhere around there, of all of the the remains of what we have from those texts, yes. whether it's on paper or different different things. All Dr. D.A. Waite has a book. Uh, I have it at home. He's He's got three doctorate degrees, uh, speaks uh, Greek and Hebrew and English, and he's gone through all the manuscript evidence, and I, I didn't know we were going to talk about that today, but but he's he's laid all that out. And you're right, it's like ninety almost ninety-nine percent of all the papyrus from. fragments, the unseals, there's a number of different things they have. And they found these and they're from Antioch. Yes. Yes. And that was the simple point I'm trying to make. Yes. Because 
that's where the King James Bible comes from. And, and the King James Bible is the only one translated off the Texas uh, Receptus. Correct. Yes. And when you say the only one, all of the other modern Bibles, like when I first got saved, uh, yes. you know, over 20 years ago, I went to a bookstore that it was a Christian bookstore, and I said, I'm looking for a Bible. And they said, well, the NIV is the easiest to read. And it's just the most simple. And the, it's, you know, it's simply, simply put, that lie has gone out for many years sure. that these modern Bibles are easier to understand and simpler to read. And I can tell you that's not true. And, and there's just so many errors in those Bibles, and there's changes to the point where they have a copyright and they don't come from Antioch. They come from Egypt. They come from Egypt, from Alexandria. Yes. And and the men who write these modern Bibles acknowledge the fact that the manuscripts they're using are from Alexandria. From like 2% of whatever. And 2% of everything found is is from Alexandria, but, yeah. but as opposed to 98% from Antioch. But curious, Alexandria had a large library. Yes. Most philosophers lived in it. There was the school of philosophy in Alexandria. From like Origen, and, Socrates. And they, and they took the New Testament writings from Antioch and they blended them with their philosophy and made up kind of a, a, a synthetic text that has a little bit of philosophy and a little bit of Bible. And sales. But Alexandria isn't mentioned positively in the Bible. Not at all. We, we found the first reference in the book of Acts earlier in chapter 6. Yes. And it says when Stephen, this is back in Acts 6, verse 8, when Stephen, a man full of faith and power, when he did great wonders and miracles among the people, uh, men of the synagogue of the Libertines and Alexandrians disputed with Stephen. Right. So there's the disputations already beginning. Well, what philosophy doesn't say that. How can you preach that? And Stephen said, well, I'm preaching Bible. Well, we've got some philosophy disagree with that. And, and so you really don't even have to sift through all this manuscript evidence. You no. don't need to do that. You can see right from the Bible itself many instances where you know God says that his word is pure. His word is never changing, yes. right? Uh, what is it, Malachi? I am the, I am the Lord. I, I change, change not. not he right? says, yes. And he warns in Deuteronomy 4. He warns in Proverbs. He warns in Revelation not to add or take away not one word, or I'll take away your word, your name out of the book of life. Those Alexandrian texts add, change, and subtract from the word of God. You, you yeah. put an IV right next to, a, or a New American Standard, right next to a King James, you'll see words that have been added, words that have been subtracted and words that have been altered and changed. Like someone got a, a thesaurus and just put a synonym there. And so I'd, I'd like to just testify real quick and say that when I started reading the King James Bible, I was just amazed that, wow, these, this is God's language. Amen. These are God's words. Yeah. This is, this is not Shakespeare. I'm not a big fan of Shakespeare. This is not Shakespeare by any means. No, it's this not. This is God's pure language. Yeah, yeah. The, and and by the way, linguists have looked at it. Uh, I have uh, Dr. Isaac Moseson is a linguist. I have a book at at home written by him, and he works. He's a Jewish linguist out of uh, New York University, but he works co-labors with men in Europe and in Japan. And he was acknowledging that the King James Bible is a different. Uh, English than Elizabethan English, like Shakespearean English. That's for it's sure. It's different. And, and when you read them side by side, my book, maybe yours does, it has the letter to the editors written by the translators. Yes. And if you read through that sometimes, 
it's written in Elizabethan English. This yes. is the letter they write. Right. And when you compare that to the, the Bible itself, a couple pages it, later in Genesis, you go, completely wow, different. it's a different English. Yes. This God, is, God's, yeah. God's language is simple and surface, and yet it can be deep. And and hard to understand in certain some places. It, it depends on what yeah. he's showing you. It, it's spiritual. They, the, Moseson called it. It said Elizabethan is like the Queen's English. This is like the King's English. It's a yeah. step above. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And and can't you testify that your children <laughs> and even your grandchildren that used to read the Bible to oh, yeah. them and and little kids can understand the King James Bible. Yeah, my wife when she um when she was younger uh, she wanted to be an actress. And so she took a course in um, Shakespeare and she has the full three volume set of Shakespeare's works at home. And I remember when I was in my late 20s, early 30s, reading through it and going, wow, this is hard. I I can't quite read this thing. I mean, you really have to study to do Shakespearean work. So, okay, fine, put it aside. I'm I'm too busy with my medical work anyways. Then I, I was led to the Lord at 39 years old. And then at 40 years old, I was led to the pure word of God, the King James Bible Amen. from the NIV. And I started reading the King James. And after being reading through it about two years, I went back and I pulled the Shakespeare off the shelf and it was, I could understand it really? because I'm reading a higher level of language. <laughs> now it became simpler for me. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> it's an experiment I did. Yeah. Amen. So here we are in the book of Acts and the last part of uh, chapter 11, verse 27. Yes. The Bible says, and in these days came prophets from Jerusalem yep. unto Antioch. So now we see the prophets moving from Jerusalem to Antioch. Good. And there stood up one of them named Agabus. Yeah. And signified by the spirit that there should be great Darth, which is like death, great Darth throughout all the world, yeah. which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. Yep. Then the disciples, every man, according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren, which dwelt in Judea, which also they did and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. And that ends Acts chapter 11. Yeah. So, so what we're seeing again here is there's going to come a persecution from the government against the people of God. Yes. And again, what's happening here is uh, the emperor Claudius Caesar is going to persecute the believers back in the region of Judea which would make sense from his standpoint because Judea, he didn't know that the capital had been moved to Antioch. He's right. not a follower of the New Testament. He's looking at uh, 300 years of history where the Jews are centered in Jerusalem and Judea, and he wants to shut them up. And there's going to be great, it's called dearth, D-E-A-R. It looks like the word earth with a D in front of it. Yeah, that's it. Like death in the earth. Death of the earth. <laughs> and, and there was great uh, persecution. And the concern that the believers had was, we need to take care of our brethren. Yes. If there's somebody suffering who's believing in God, no matter where they are, we need to help them out. Well, that's, that's common for Christians to do. It is. And you don't see that with uh, other other religions around the world. I think of this when uh, um, different disasters have stricken in the Middle East. Yeah. Uh, I've heard people that are here in America from the Middle East saying, you know, we got no help at all from Saudi Arabia. Those Saudi Arabians, the Saudis, they got so much money, it's coming out their ears, and yet they can't spare a dime to help when there was an earthquake in Turkey, yeah. you know, within the last year. And it was very bad. 
and people were suffering greatly. And yet you've got some very rich uh, people in United Arab Emirates, yep, in, yep. Uh, you know, in Saudi Arabia and some other areas, in Dubai, and they could have sent plenty of money. And yet it's usually the American Christians or yes. other Christians from around the world that like Samaritan's Purse from uh, Billy Graham's son, which yep. is Franklin Graham. Yep. You know, they come and they rush in and they set up tents and hospital tents and they try to help any way they can, right? Well, that's that's the love of Christ at work. There's an entire chapter in the book of Corinthians about that. It's called Charity. Amen. And uh, it talks about... Uh, the great chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, if I have not charity, I'm like a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Who's listening to me? Yes. Even if I have the gift of prophecy and I understand mysteries and knowledge and, and I have faith, but I don't have charity, I, I'm nothing. I mean, one of the first questions asked in the Bible, am I my brother's keeper? And what God is saying is, yes, I yes. want you to take care of your brethren. Amen. That's what I want. You're part of my family. Yes. We take care of each other. Um, and, and charity comfort, comfort. suffers long. Charity is kind. Charity envies not. Charity vaunteth not itself. Charity is not puffed up. Charity does not behave unseemly. Charity seeketh not her own. Charity is not easily provoked. Charity thinks no evil. Charity rejoices not in iniquity. Charity rejoices in the truth. Amen. Yeah. Charity never fails. And that's that's a Christian virtue yes. that's given in the New Testament. And we see this already, the people applying it in the book of Acts before that chapter is written there. Amen. That's the spirit of God working in them. Amen. And, you know, like we talked about earlier in the chapter about how, you know, it says John baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. That's a spiritual thing. It happens on the inside. Yes. It's not about on the outside. It's about the inside. And so Christians from the inside, from their heart, from their soul, their, their spirit, they, they long to help people. They long to sure. care and show charity unto other people. Uh, it, it's kind of the difference you know, people say that First Corinthians 13 is the chapter of love, and you just showed it's actually the chapter of charity. And charity yes. is kind of like love in action. You're actually doing sure. something, right? Sure. And happy are you if you do these things, yes. Jesus said. But the point is, is that it has to come from the inside. It has to be a desire and a will to want to help. And that's true love. And that's the opposite of selfishness. Yeah. So when you when you see things about selfishness and you see things that are even like Sesame Street was teaching American children about, you know, me, me, me. It's all about me. And, you know, how, how things can be better for me. And that's a little bit of psychology. Mm -hmm. And you see it in advertising. Maybe that's why it's called Sesame Street. Okay, I don't know. <laughs> but the point is, is that charity is the opposite of selfishness. It's selflessness. Well, the and the, the beautiful thing about it is, it's a Christian grace worked by Jesus Christ in the heart of his people. God works from the inside out. Amen. Religion works from the outside in. Yes. I dress properly. Yes. And then I'm hoping that uh, if I dress properly and I do the traditions of my religion, then little by little, it might reform me. I think of how many parents, when, when I grew up, and, and I grew up on the east side, little Italy, we were all Roman Catholics, the hope of the moms and dads was if we send our kids to church, then eventually they won't be angry as much. They'll be, I mean, the, the religion outside will work its way to the inside. Mm. But 
didn't quite work out that way. Right. Because God says, look, the problem is in the soul and in the heart. It's on the inside. So the first work I want to do is I want to speak words to them. I want them to receive them in the heart, and I'll be doing the work from the inside out. Jesus said to those religious people, you look up from the outside like a white sepulcher. It looks great on the outside, but inside there's still a lot of death going on there. Amen. And, and the world will tell you that you're all basically good. And the Bible says that we're not basically good, that we're sinners. And, and you know, religion just kind of adds layers and layers to that idea that you're good. And even like Proverbs says, every man will declare his own righteousness or his own goodness, yeah. right? And so people think that they're good. And I even, you know, was tricked into that myself with religion as a Catholic when I was young. Yeah. But when you start to read the Bible, you start to understand that there's a big gap between you and God. God's the one who's righteous. He's the one who's sure. good. Yeah. But with the religion, what you do is um, you, 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 you like varnish. You put coats and coats and coats of tradition and works and uh, sacraments and, you know, things that can be seen outwardly. And you're kind of hiding that trouble on the inside and hopefully no one will see it. Right. But on the inside, Jesus said there, there's a problem deep inside the heart. And I think people know it. I think other people themselves know it. Uh, my wife grew up with uh, a family and uh, they were from Lebanon and they had uh, priests in the family and nuns and she lived with them and they would often talk about the troubles they were having on the inside right. despite doing everything weekly and even on daily the on the outside. On the outside. Yep. And you know, Jesus told a parable in Luke yep. chapter 18 that really fit this, I think. And in Luke 18, verse 9, uh, Jesus says, and he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves, that would be religious people, trusted in themselves, that they were righteous and despised others. They would look down their uh -huh, nose. They yep. would look down their nose at other people, those, those terrible people over there. And it says, two men went up into the temple to pray. The one a Pharisee, that would be a religious leader, and the other a publican, that's like a tax collector, Yep. right? And the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give thighs, tithes of all that I, I possess. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified. Meaning the publican. That's yes. what Jesus said. Yes. Rather than the other, for everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, like the basement, down. Yep. And he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. And so God... God requires that you humble yourself. Well, what, what he saw in that publican was a, a, a broken heart. Yes. Thinking, wow, wow, I've got some real problems here. I've just listened to this guy. He does this. He does that. I don't do any of those things. I'm a wreck. Lord, I, I need help. Amen. I'm a sinner. You need to be merciful to me. And the Lord promised Jeremiah. He said, the days come, saith the Lord, I will make a new covenant. This shall be the covenant I will make. I will put my law in their inward parts. I will write it in their hearts and will be their God. They'll be my people. They'll know the Lord. They shall all know me. I will forgive their iniquity 
And, and so God wants to begin the work on the inside. Amen. And that's yeah. where it needs to begin. He's got to wash the inside first. I mean, I mean, just thinking about it from a physical standpoint. Okay. Well, well, I'll give you two options here. One option. You're going to look real good. You have nice high cheekbones. Uh, you, you don't have a big nose. You have full lips. You have nice eyes. Good hair. You look like a model. But inside, you've got cancer and heart disease and emphysema. Or you're completely <laughs> healthy on the inside, but you're not, you don't look like you came out of central casting. You look like a normal person. Right. What would you rather have? You'd rather have a, a sound and inside. And God's saying, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to take care of the inside. Amen. Yeah. Amen. And so here we see at the end of this chapter that uh, these, these prophets, they came from Jerusalem unto Antioch. And Agabus, this one prophet, he, you know, he, he signified by the spirit that there would be this great Darth and it's going to happen. And it did happen. It came yes. to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. Yep. And if you read some of that history, the first 300 years oh, after Jesus went to the cross, oh gosh. it was bad. The 10 persecutions, I have them written down beginning all the way back with Nero going all the way through to about 300 AD, it was horrible. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the early Christians they they were they were imprisoned, they were beaten. It was it says in Hebrews, right? And you and, also read that word. You said they were first called Christians in Antioch. Yes, and it's the first time you see the word in the Bible. Well, later on, the Apostle Peter writes in First uh, Peter, I think it's chapter four or five, four. Yeah, chapter four, he's saying uh, in verse uh, 12, beloved, talking to Christians now, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you. Yes. And so here Agabus is saying there's going to be some trials for these Christians as though some strange thing happened to you. Rejoice in as much as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings Amen. when he when his glory will be revealed you you'll be glad with exceeding joy if ye believers be reproached for the name of christ and that's why they were be they were standing saying we're christians well we don't like this guy that said he rose from the dead and says he's the king right well if you are reproached for his name happy are ye the spirit of glory and god rests on you okay Amen. Uh, on their part he's evil spoken of but on your part he's glorified Verse 15, don't let any of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or a busybody in other man's matters. You don't want to be like that, the old man. Yet, if any man suffer as a Christian. As a Christian. As a Christian. There's that word again. Yep. Uh, don't be ashamed. Glorify God on this uh, behalf. Amen. And so Agabus is just saying the persecution is going to begin. It's it's like this. And it's. It's a truth. The devil runs this world and he hates the people of God. And yeah. in the Old Testament, the people of God were the Jews and he hated them. The people of the God in the New Testament are the Christians and now he hates them. Although he still doesn't like the Jews. <laughs> right, <laughs> but, right. But he, because they're God's physical people, but yes. we're the spiritual people and he hates the Christians. Yes. Yeah, the, the world, I mean, it's been hidden maybe somewhat in the last hundred years, but yeah. throughout the last 2,000 years of history yes. since the cross of Christ, there's been a lot of persecution of 
Jews and Christians. I mean, look at World War One with yeah. the Jews, World War Two yep. with the Jews, and some of the other times in history. And so, I mean, if you look at history at all, and if you've ever heard of a, a if you don't believe some of this, you can look up on Amazon. There's a book called uh, the Fox's Book, book of Martyrs. Oh, that's, yeah. And Fox's Book of Martyrs is true testimonies of Christians that were persecuted for their through faith the in centuries, Christ. All through the centuries, just like Peter yeah. said. You're going to suffer reproach as a Christian. Yeah. I mean, Christ said, if they've persecuted me and I'm your Lord, the servant's not above his Lord. I guess the key is if you are very quiet about your Christianity, no one's going to bother you. But if you stand up like Peter did and Cornelius did yes. and these men in Antioch did, there's going to be persecution. It's almost like putting a target on your back. <laughs> yes, but but God's will is that we speak and tell the good news. And it is good news. And not only that, your brothers are going to help. Like yes. The charity is going to be in the brothers. Like we send relief to the Christians that are persecuted in China and Amen. places like that. And we're running out of time today. It's a good chapter. Amen. Next week, we'll get another interesting chapter about uh, Herod just starting trouble again. In Jerusalem. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. things have moved on to Antioch. Yeah. So here's the history of the church, the way God tells it in the book of the Acts of the Apostles. If you get some time this week, you can read there or do like Brother Mark said, read Romans yes, 1 through please, 5. Please do that's, it for me. Yeah, that's that's a good thing to do. And we're going to be with you again next week. Go to the website, graceandtruthchurch.org, and uh, check out the old shows. And until we meet again next week, do like Jesus said, search the scriptures and you'll know what is truth. Amen. You've been listening to What is Truth? The radio show devoted to asking the question, what is truth? Listen every weekend at this time for What is Truth? Only on WECK.